Rocking chair, chair session. With Elisa Di Batista. Maria Teresa Barber. Hello, everyone. And welcome to RCS Rocking Chair Sessions, Volume 48, with Onajide Shalaka. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And you totally did not butcher his name. That yes. was pretty good. That was pretty good. We're taking turns in saying um, different artists' names so that we say it correctly and respectfully. Um, so where does your last name come from, actually? Because I've never heard it before. It's so unique and special. I really like it. Um, it's a name from, I guess, the area. Well, if you spoke Arabic, then you would recognize it. There's, okay. there's a lot of Arabs that have that name. But it's, you know, it's like a Ethiopia, Egypt, Yemen, you know, kind of, you know, that area. That area, that vicinity. That area of the world, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. And so we wanted to more or less get started with, um, I guess, your latest project that you've been working on. Um, if you want to go into that, the last series of work that you've been dabbling in. Well, uh, <laughs> to go back a little bit in history, actually a long way in history. Um, in 1972, I was a student at uh, California College of the Arts. And, um, you know, as part of the core curriculum of, you know, our art schools, you know, you have to do painting, drawing, sculpture, design. and General courses, yeah. And um, so, That was in Oakland on the campus, right? Yeah, this they didn't was in, have the San Francisco right. campus yet. Oh, no, yeah. there was no San Francisco campus at the Oakland. time. Oakland. Mm -hmm. And actually, it was right on the... It's right on the line between Oakland and Berkeley, the city limit line. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I've been to both. So, you know, you go down, I think it's College Avenue, and it goes right straight to Berkeley campus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, so I was looking at um, non-European sources f for ideas about making a sculpture. And, and so I saw these um, chairs. Actually, there were stools that were very similar to between Ghana and Suriname. I, they, aesthetically, they look very similar, but you know they're different. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I was kind of inspired by that and decided I was going to make this sculpture. But you know, unfortunately, I threw it away a few years ago oh. because it was just too much to carry around. Yeah. And and that's because I had not really thought that I would ever get to Suriname. So in 2016, I was part of a group of people that went to Suriname as part of an international cultural exchange. And I still had not remembered, but you know, we're on the other side of the country, you know, introducing ourselves to some young people, you know visual artists and theater people and dancers and musicians. And all of a sudden, I remembered 1972. And of course, none of them were alive in 1972. <laughs> and so, you know, I told them my little story, you know, and because I knew about Suriname. You know, I was the only one of our group, other than the organizer, uh, Rosie Gordon Wallace. I don't think anybody else really knew anything about Suriname before they got there. I had at least some idea. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, after that trip, you know, I was saying that I, I wanted to go back. And in the process of 
organizing everything to go back because this was a residency that I created mm-hmm. out of my own initiative. And um, I worked with uh, some people there in Suriname, you know, as a gallery owner there in, in Suriname. And um, I found, because I deal with a lot of botanical stuff, I found that um, there was a several stories, not only in Suriname, but also Brazil and even part of the United States, you know, like what they call the low country, you know, Georgia and South Carolina, by the coast, that slave women had smuggled in seeds, specifically rice seeds. And, you know, people were saying that it was not true. And I mean, it is kind of fantastical, you know, just the idea that it would happen. And, um, but, you know, women, you know, were doing more than rice seeds. They had other root crops that they were smuggling in their hair or other seeds that they could smuggle in their hair. Because, I mean, it's like 60, 60 days minimum to getting across the Atlantic from mm-hmm. the west coast of Africa. And so anyway, this, this Dutch woman who was an anthropologist, I guess she was, and, um, or maybe just a biologist, and she took some of these seeds back to Europe and did DNA analysis on them and found out that they originated in Ivory Coast. Wow. And they were not hybrids, you know, they were, you know, like offspring of the original Brought over. seeds. Yeah. And so I said, okay, when I get back, I have to go find this, this crop. You know, it's out in the forest. You know, I mean, and people, and that's the other thing that people think about the Amazon as being, you know, the various Amer indigenous populations. But I mean, you know, Suriname, you know, the forest is populated mostly by Africans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, former slaves. And, you know, you go there and I mean, it looks like Africa. It doesn't look like what you think. I mean, it looks like a forest, of course. But, you know, you're thinking that you're not in South America. You're thinking you're in, you know, another continent, right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, anyway, so I did some research and did my project. And so now that's what I'm in the process of doing, you know, trying to put together a complete exhibition. So I'm still working on it. You know, I mean, there's lots to do, but I'm I'm trying to get some stuff together, you know. But it's so lovely how it started with your original being in school, the idea just struck you in the 1970s and then all the way 2016. You you, you, you were um, for, forefront in, in pushing this residency as it didn't exist and then you were able to go to Suriname and, and now it's like taking shape. And you say you, you focus not just on the objects but also on the botanical. Like I have noticed that in your, it's very mixed media, your work. Right, right. And it, I feel there's a beauty in that there's a overlay, like a l- overlapping, the image I chose for the preview had overlapping kind of like I feel like um, moments in time like his story like just like woven kind of sort of could you talk about that in your work your your usage of material um, well you know I, I you know I like to use various materials but you know you know this you know I have interests in botanicals but also in geology and history so I mean I try to to put all of those things together and and I don't necessarily think about one thing predominating over something else. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm interested in all of that. So, you know, I mean, I, I incorporate it and use it, you know, in different ways at different times. Okay, well, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, 
It's always like this layering. I, I think um, the, the layering of symbols, also the layering. I think the one that you chose was also the layering of a of a cross and I a skull. I saw the cross like two or three times. I'm like, this is an important symbol to you. I wonder what it means. I wonder what it represents. But it's, well, it's but a specific it's, cross, it's, right? Right. It's it's a it's not really a cross. Two lines intersecting. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there are so circles on yeah. the right. End. So it's so it's kind of equilateral. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, like a Greek cross, yes. not a Christian cross, but yeah. a Greek mm-hmm. cross. Mm-hmm. So it's non. It's a non Not so much non-European. I mean, a lot of people all around the world use, you know, that kind of equilateral mm-hmm. symbol. Um, but also, you know, I mean. There were, you know, I mean, you have one right there on your wall. For those of you that can't see, Maria also has a, but, you know, I was raised very Catholic, so but it shows up all the time in yeah. my artwork. Right. So, I mean, it, it's it's a religious symbol, but, I mean, it's it's not a religious it's symbol. It's also in, like, an X. It could be an X if you shift it. Right. So, I mean, it, that's part of it, too, is that, you know, it's... It's kind of like a, a symbol of dividing the world into its four quadrants, and mm-hmm. you know, various cultures all around the world have done that, and and so that's why I used it, and I still use it, not as much as in my current project, but I mean, I've used it many times over many years. Mm-hmm. Going back to Oakland, uh, how did you how did you have the idea to go to? Uh, CCA, right? It's right. The College of California College, California of, College of Arts in Oakland. Were you were you Interested from the area, area there? Or where did you? No, actually, um, I have to. You know, I mean, I was having a conversation the other day with with somebody about. Um, my father specifically, because he's still alive. My mother died when when I was twenty five. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, and I'm getting kind of emotional about it right at the moment. My father now is like 95, going on 96 years old. And he's in really good health. And, you know, I mean, what parent, what parent apologizes for the mistakes that they have made when they raise their children? I mean... I, I mean, I think... You know, I mean... Usually doesn't happen. Right. I mean, it's like... A good one. A good one. Thinking about it over the years, I mean, it's just like mind-blowing that he actually did that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my father, somehow, when he realized that I was serious about being a student and taking art classes, you know, he got me into California... I mean, uh, he got me into Art Center... I don't know how he did it. Some friends of his, you know, I mean, it was just like, boom, you know, fill out the paperwork because you can get in. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, helped you, he helped you do that. He right. helped you get you there. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it was just for one class, but uh-huh. I mean, it was an important class, photography. That was my major, mm-hmm. undergraduate. And um, so they told me after I took class that I would have to wait a year because there were no openings. This was a summer class I got in. Uh-huh. Still, I mean, you know, it was Art Center. Yeah. Even then, Art Center was still considered, you know, one of the top art schools in the world. And um, so I looked around for someplace else to go, and because I, I didn't want to wait a year. And so 
I started in the middle of the semester, which is January, not in the spring. You know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I went there because you know I felt like that again because I like to use various materials and. At that time, it was called California College of Arts and Crafts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I know that they were involved with weaving, and I knew that they had a strong ceramics program and all that kind of stuff. So I felt like that was a better kind of place than just dealing with Art Center, which in a lot of ways is was and still is kind of focused on the commercial side mm-hmm. of art. Um, very strong. But I just felt like that... You know, California College of the Arts was a better choice, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it really was. Um, because one of the things that has been beneficial to me over the years, based on that mm-hmm. experience, was I had a teacher who, well, first of all, I was working a full time job. Yeah. And I was in school full time. And it's incredible. they didn't have. You know, like day classes and evening classes was just this is the class day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, certain classes that I needed were only available in the evening, but you know, I had to work. So I couldn't be there all day, every single day. So one of my professors said, um, Well, why don't we do independent study? Okay. And so let's write up a. A proposal that I will approve and you know we're going to meet certain times during the semester and you know you can work on your own and and you know I'll supervise you. That's incredible. And um, so I did that for a couple of classes and it was like wow you know amazing. I mean obviously he felt strong enough about me that and confident yeah that, you that I could do work. it because yeah. I didn't ask him he told me that I should do it. Oh, mm-hmm. But I've done that you know, through undergrad, and then when I went to work on my master's, which was at Vermont College of the Fine Arts, I mean, that's basically mm-hmm. what they do. You know, you're only on campus Fair for right. like 10 days, mm-hmm. and all the rest of everything you do is Yourself. in your studio at home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, and the same thing with, you know, going to Suriname. I mean, you know, it's like the same thing. You know, you just kind of create the project, and here you, there you go, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it kind of reminds me also of, of a researcher, the way you you uh, approach your artwork, you know, your yeah. practice. You kind of like like a researcher would write a study plan and would, would be like very, you know, kind of these are the steps and this is what we're going to follow. Right. And I, I see that I, I in your practice that. a I lot. I do that. Mm-hmm. I do that, mm-hmm. yeah. But so back to Oakland, did you actually grow up in the Bay Area? No, I didn't. No. Or how did, you know, wh- where was? Where did you? Where were you born? Let's start there. <laughs> I <laughs> was. Like I was born in Ohio. Oh, cool. I, I lived there until I was ten. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents decided that they wanted to improve their lives, so they moved to California, Los Angeles. Nice. And um, <clears throat> then I went to San Francisco afterwards to go to school. Nice. And then from there, then I moved to Florida because this is extending the family thing further. But you know, I had my great grandfather um, move from South Carolina into Florida around 1920. Okay. And so there was a few family members that came with him. But my I had my grandfather had three of his sisters that were living in Fort Pierce. Okay, that's right. And. Um, 
they're all deceased now, but um, I had some other, some other kind of distant relatives, and I think they're probably still in Fort Pierce. I haven't talked to them in many, many years. Mm -hmm. It happens, and then you pick up the phone, and it feels like it's yeah. only been a day. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you moved from when you studied in Vermont, did you actually move there, or no. it, was it just like you you no, stayed? No, you just fly in and you fly in for the and you do your ten days, and then you go back to your studio. See, then mm -hmm. you work with a local person mm -hmm. who has a master's degree that is approved in their program. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So they are the ones who actually recommend the grade. They don't give you the grade, they just recommend the grade. Mm -hmm. And then the faculty it. at Vermont College gives you the grade because they're the ones empowered to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you meet with, and I, I work with, let's see, I work with um, Marilyn Gottlieb Roberts. I don't know if you know her. I'd have to look at her work. Um, she's living over in Miami Beach. Uh, Robert Chambers, I did. Actually, the first semester, I oh, worked. Oh, so you were already in Miami when you studied in Vermont. Right. You already lived here. Right, right. Oh, I understand. And then I did that with um, one of my co-professors when I started teaching at FAU, which is mm -hmm. uh, James Novak. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but one other person, mm -hmm. um, I can see her face. But anyway, she's moved, and she lives in Colorado now. Mm -hmm. So those are the people that I work mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. So it's several individuals, not just the one, which is nice because it gives you a kind of diversity and feedback and constructive criticism when you're working within your your graduate program. I think hearing just one voice is never, like it's good to hear multiple Right. No, I just looked up the, the place because I'm still, you know, a little, you know, I don't always know exactly. I just knew it was north and it's really close to Canada, right? And I was like, aren't you on Agita, like in the cold weather and in the snow? I was like, I'm not sure. It's just <laughs> you snow. You didn't have to do it. It's just snow. It's just know? snow. You don't mind the cold? Well, all you're doing is walking from one warm building to another warm building, you know. <laughs> it's actually you true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dormitories are on campus, so, you know, you're walking from there to the cafeteria, walking from oh, there nice. to the studios, and, you know, I mean, then, you know, you walk down the street, it's like two blocks to walk down the hill to the main street in town. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go into a restaurant and it's warm. <laughs> you know, you go into a bookstore and it's warm. And... Um, Oh, isn't that much of a difference? I'm curious to know, um, I mean, being how California and Vermont are such different places, um, just the landscape itself, and also the size of the city, like, do you feel that the work that you did um, in Oakland versus in Vermont, um, how different was that body of work for you to make and to, like, research, and also um, your experience? How was how was it different in between the two colleges and programs, if you could tell us? Well, first of all, you know, when you're an undergrad, you know, you're giving an assignment assignments mm -hmm. you know when on your on the graduate level you know they don't give you assignments they just approve your plan that you decide what you're going to do um, so starting with that yeah you know I mean so basically you know really going back to college I mean to high school which I never really thought of as being an integral part of my art practice, but I mean, in retrospect, I mean, looking back over the arc of my life, you know, I mean, it really was. So we were living in an area that was close to Inglewood. I don't know if you know Los Angeles at all. A little bit. Yeah, you've just been there. Yeah. And um, so we moved from that area 
to what is now called Carson. Okay, when we first moved to Carson, it was unincorporated and basically were two large farm areas. One of them belonged to um, the Dominguez family. That's why they named the university there Dominguez Hills, mm -hmm. because that's where we were living. And the other area, which was called Carson, was closer to Torrance, okay. okay? So there were more people living in that area, so they were the ones that decided that that's the name that they wanted, and so everybody in, in an incorporated area voted, and that's what they ended up. Anyway, my father ended up being on the first city council, and that's a whole nother issue that... Uh, but, you know, what I was doing while I was there, um, you know, in high school, studying photography, and, you know, there's a lot of places where there's still no houses. It's just, you know, open farmland. And since there's no crops being grown, it ends up being very weedy. Mm -hmm. And so I keep hearing all these people saying it was so ugly and this is just so gross. And this you know, and, and, and so I said, really? I mean, I saw these gigantic tumbleweeds and different plants. I mean, because they were growing very large. And I was in, really, let me go walk down in here and see what's, what this is like. And, but I was doing it not just to see the plants, but also that was a way for me to, you know, engage in a certain kind of what everybody now is going to, the mindfulness thing. I mean, for me, it was just a very relaxing, quiet place where I could just kind of walk and, you know, imagine, you know, a, a world outside of the urban environment. Yeah, it's so much concrete in LA, and that was like the one little, it's like a and, uh, But you know, I mean, our family, you know, we, we drove back and forth to visit my grandparents. So, you know, we went through Arizona, New Mexico, and you know the sea, and it's still basically a, a, a non-urban landscape. Yeah. And um, so I mean I knew what what that was like. You know our family. My father used to take us camping. Okay. And um, so you know we we did a lot of things that you know the average person never did. Mm -hmm. I mean I, I think my father every time I talked to him about the things that he did for us when we were kids. Because, I mean, it's like, when you're a kid, you don't really think that it's, you think that everybody kind of has the same experience as you yeah, do, but they really right, don't. You know, and then yeah. later on in life, all of a sudden I find out that, you know, like, oh, you never did that? Mm-hmm. You never experienced that? And yeah. I feel like that really shapes the personality of a kid, you know, to have like these experiences, you know, to be like really immersed in nature so and have physical. like this camping or so the, the traveling experiences. I do feel that shapes really. Uh, yeah, and then too, you know, I mean, and I, and I think I would have probably done better if I had different high school teachers, actually elementary school and middle school and high school. And I'm saying that because um, of course, you know, you're dealing with, you know, racism. And so, you know, the idea of a lot of teachers, and, I'm, and I just saw this, you know, just the other day where some law professor was saying that all oh, these black students have never graduated at the top of their class. So the people are still saying this bullshit. No, but, you know, I mean, 
here I, we are traveling back and forth across the country and my family, both parents and my brother and sister have to be very tolerant of my collecting rocks. <laughs> <laughs> You're a geologist. <laughs> Well, but, but what teacher that I ever had that could have directed me toward, you know, uh, uh, any of those sciences? Because, you know, like, you know, you people oh, are, horrible. you people are athletic and athletically gifted and, you know, you can sing and dance, but, you know, science, I mean, no, no, that's, that's not your forte. Oh, no. I'm not to say that somebody actually said that that I can remember, but you know that's the that, attitude. That was the attitude. Well, I'm sorry you encountered that. I feel like when I have like little students, they're like, "Oh, look, a dinosaur! I love dinosaurs." I'm like, "You should be a paleontologist," and you know, you try at to least he's actually a teacher. So yeah, so it's like you should always encourage a child, especially when they're they're in that formative stage, to imagine to be whatever it is they want to be. So I'm sorry right. that you felt limited in that sense. Right. But high school wasn't when you took charge and you're like, "I'm going to explore this area. I'm going to go into." Yeah. This was plants, it wasn't so much, but to me it was all just kind of the same because it was just outdoors and Mm non-urban, Yeah, you know? But it's also a choice because I feel like living in a place like LA where you have the whole like movie stars and you have these hills and you have like all these, it's very urban and you decided to not go into the urban landscape, you decided to go into nature. And I think I see that in your work, the nature. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, even though Hollywood wasn't as big of a thing then as it is now, but I mean, it still was the same. I mean, I, you know, all the places that I've seen movie stars face to face, except for a couple times in Miami, but most of them have been in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. you know, somewhere around you know, in the airport or Hollywood or, you know, wherever. <laughs> They're all over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they go everywhere, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, nowadays, you know, there's probably more of an entourage around them. But in those days, you know, they were kind of, you know, maybe just with one or two friends and, you know, like, oh, is that a famous person? Oh, wait a minute. What's that guy's name? He's married to Betty White. <laughs> no, seriously, I said that was... His name is Alan Ludden, and he was standing on the other side of the glass window at the airport, and I couldn't remember his name, and there was a nun standing there, and I asked her, I said, what's that guy's name? (laughs) (laughs) She looked at me like I was crazy. I said, you know, he's married to Betty White. So different to the yeah. sightings. And then obviously Vermont, you, you get to select your own projects and as you were right, mentioning. Right. Yeah. It's different. So after you uh, graduated from Vermont, right, you were already living in Miami. Yeah. How was that transition for you out of grad school mm-hmm. and then uh, Well, you know, I mean, really it was well it was the good thing about it was that it allowed me to teach. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, because you need a master's to teach. Because, you know, once you, if you have a bachelor's degree, you can teach in the college level, but you can only teach a certain number of credit hours and then you can't do it anymore. So that was good. But, you know, just having access to some things that I was not able to have access to before. But otherwise, I, I don't think that really much changed. Mm-hmm. No, I don't really think much changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's taken a long time for me to get to the point where you know somebody's actually going to call me on the phone or 
send me an email saying they're interested in doing a studio visit or to include me in an exhibition and, or something like that. I mean, lovely. it's been, uh, you know, a lifetime of waiting for that to happen. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I've tried to do some of my own, but, you know, I mean, if people are not interested in certain things, then, you know, they're going to ignore it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a niche for everything. I'm curious to know how your um, your childhood interests, like for example, you mentioned collecting rocks as you traveled across the country. Like, what other things did you use or do that were maybe unusual, maybe compared to like your brother or sister, or maybe something was in the family that everybody did? Like, oh, you drew or you painted, or you know, like you had your no, own collection. No, what else? Photography. Was there? My okay. my father was a you know he's got tons of pictures, but well, you know, mostly family pictures. And my uncle, I have an uncle who was living. Um, who died a few years ago and, and you know same thing he's got like album after album after album of us when we were kids and you know we go through and then show them to the grandkids and you know you know because we used to laugh at some of the pictures of different people you know so now we're doing that with the young kids you know and oh look at grandpa how funny he looks and, you know I mean so it was it's more about that than but I wasn't taking pictures like that. You know, I was trying to create these little weird scenes of things and stuff like that, you know. Mm -hmm. And how far back did those images go? Of mine? Of the ones that your father and your uncle collected. Like how far um, back Well, they, you know, family? there were pictures that they, no, that they took. Um, so, I don't know, after, after World War II, so, Beautiful. you know, like 40s. That's lovely. 40s and 50s. So they had an archive, a huge archive of yeah, family my, pictures. My, my uncle probably has more than my father. Uh -huh. And, I mean, he's got a ton. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And did they give you the, the first camera? The, did you get it from your father? Or how did you, how did you I get your first camera? I don't remember. Obviously film. I, yeah, it was film. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But I have photographs from the 50s that I took mm -hmm. and of course I don't know how good the film is anymore it's you know I got some water damage on a lot of film but um, but you still have it the camera no I that but I have film, the film. But I, some, some some but I but you know I have prints you know mm -hmm. I scanned a bunch of things and mm -hmm. you have a picture of and so I don't know I had to be you know like maybe five years old or something like that. I mean... Wow. I mean, early Because age. I, yeah, because I took a photograph of my aunt with her oldest daughter, and she was pregnant with mm -hmm. her youngest daughter, who was the same age as my sister. Mm -hmm. Only five and behind the lens already capturing the world in a certain So, you know, that's yeah. probably the earliest pictures that I mean, that, that I could recognize a date. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I mean, but I, you know, I've took pictures of family, but you know, not a lot of that, you know. So in in Suriname, when you were doing this residency, um, did you also take a lot of photographs? Is that still your practice, like shooting film, or is, is uh, it digital now? Digital, or? digital. Mm -hmm. um, I I did quite a few photographs, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in in the in the capital of Paramaribo, I did not take. A super lot of pictures, but when I went out to the forest, I took a lot of pictures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And what has shifted from your usage of film that you used to use to now digital? Why? I mean, I believe color is so beautiful in digital. Why? Can you talk about that one? Well, you know, I mean, photography is a very expensive medium, you know, and, you know, you spend a lot of money getting prints made and then, you know, you're not getting in a show, but you can't get in the show if you don't have the print. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the last big prints that I've made, I mean, they cost like $400 a piece. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I believe and, it. It's and so they're expensive. still sitting in my studio. Yeah, I can't afford that. Yeah. I can't. If you're interested and you're out there, contact on Ajide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has really nice prints. <laughs> Go see them. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that was kind of it. And, you know, and then there's still people even at this point, that still are questioning whether photographers are actually artists. Oh, really? I think they are. <laughs> well, but there's people in the general public that are qu still question that mm -hmm. because they do it. Mm -hmm. And though they don't call themselves an artist, so how are you an artist and you're doing the same thing that I'm doing? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? So that's kind of... Photography had this stigma for a really long time, and I'm 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 agreeing with you that a lot of probably the general public is not educated enough yet to really see a, a photograph in a, in the same way that they see a painting. I actually I think I think that is probably true. What do you think? I'm well before I learned more about art and went to art school. I feel like. When you see something, regardless of what it is, whether it's um, a movie or you're at the store and you see an item, you're like, oh, I could do that. And it's just a statement that comes out of your mouth because you're not thinking. And then if you actually try to sew a piece of, a sh a sh make your own shirt, or you try to make that cake you saw on a YouTube video, or you try to, you actually engage in the act of creating, you're like, whoa, it's not as easy as I thought. Right, so I right. think um, it's not necessarily the not knowing art education, whatever, but it's it's the assumption that, oh, that looks easy, I could do that, but the actual act of creating and making is sometimes more complex than we yeah. take for granted. We mm -hmm. take it for granted. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. But, yeah. you know, I mean, how do you change somebody's mind in that way of thinking, you know, it's not, you can't do it. No, they have to do it themselves. But it's also like the art community in Miami, uh, and I'm not sure if, I'm, if I know everything, but uh, there is definitely not as much uh, exposure for photographers than it is, for example, in the Bay Area. Like in the Bay Area, I feel like there are so many photo galleries like the Franco Gallery and other galleries that are focusing on photographers as artists. Well, that was one of the reasons why I went to California Cause of the Arts right? as well. Because the photo program was also... Because, well, not so much their photo program, but because, you know, Ansel Adams was in Northern mm -hmm. California and Edward Weston was in Northern California and, and Imogene Cunningham was in Northern California yeah. and so, you know, you want to be... Ansel Adams was teaching at my school, actually, at the and, San Francisco Art Institute. Yeah. It was right there. So, you know, you want to be involved exactly. in, the, in the community that's speaking the same language as yeah. you. Although, you know, when you're dealing with racism, that doesn't make any difference. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, no gallery was ever interested in having a conversation about my art. I mean, I sent some images and information to New York. Yeah. Right, and I'm living in California now, and I, and I still have the letters from photography galleries in New York that were kind and respectful, even though they did not accept 
you know, my submission, but, you know, they were nice. Mm. I went to a place in California, and, you know, it's like they turned up my nose, and as a matter of fact, one famous photographer, and, and I normally don't mention his name, but, and he didn't own the gallery, but he was sitting in a gallery when I was there, visiting with a friend, and, you know, there was a moment where the gallery owner and this guy, Todd Walker, here's his name, Todd Walker, and you know, the conversation stopped for a few minutes, and so I asked the gallery owner, even though I was still a student, you know, like how, do, how, does, how does one approach, you know, what's the process for approaching a gallery about an exhibition or representation? Wow, that's such a sincere and honest question to ask, you know? And Todd Walker turned out to what the fuck you want? What? Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's horrifying. I feel like that's another reason we were like, we should do these sessions because I feel like there are students out there or there are individuals that I wonder like, how do I get into a gallery? How do I, how do I become a working or a living artist? And just, I think that question is a sincere one. Like if he's an artist, he should understand and respect that instead of just say that come like, well, what blah, blah, blah do you want? It's, it's like, no, like how do I, what do I have to do? Portfolio, do I have to email, do I have to, interview like that's and right. did well, the but galleries respond after he said that comment or did the guy I, I don't remember I mean okay. that just shut you down yeah I know what I mean yeah you what know, do you do I mean this that? is a different time but so there was no email or anything and you know but yeah I ended up getting a solo show in San Francisco but it was in a small little gallery it's a solo show and um, yeah I mean and the, in San Francisco yeah, that's San really Francisco. cool too and it was photography but also um, drawing Mm -hmm. It was photography and drawing show. Mm -hmm. That's really yeah. great. How do you feel that the tides have shifted um, from, well, I mean, we still have racial tension now in the present, from the 70s to now, like, do you feel that when you encounter a gallery, it's more they look at your work and they, they, they view it as you versus not just, like... Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, the situation with galleries has changed so much. I mean, there's a lot of artists that feel like that they don't need galleries, mm -hmm. have no interest in approaching galleries. Um, I know the majority of my life as an artist, I've been, and you know, I guess it's been more hope than anything else, hoping that I'm on the level of a museum because that's always been really kind of the focus of trying to get in a museum show and not necessarily a gallery show mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because gallery show is commercial yeah and of course galleries are you know there's different kinds of galleries but I always felt like that I wasn't necessarily interested in making quote unquote commercial art yeah although nowadays we don't call it commercial art yeah. we just call it art mm -hmm. and um, but in order to do that, you know, I needed to change my art practice so that it was not about me, but it was about something else. Maybe it was about the person who was going to buy it and not about me. Yeah, it's, it's from a my, hard call from my some perspective. People. Yes, certainly. And I feel like a lot of artists do make that decision. Some are deciding to go with what the market or the audience or, like you say, the gallery wants from them. Or we have um, artists that have 
come and said, and they're, they're very firm. They're like, I'm the artist. I make what I want to make. And they either have to wait or I say, no, thank you. It's not my, it's not the right time or the correct opportunity for me at this moment. Right. So the fact that you've done that as well as, I mean, I think it's great. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, today, you know, I mean, galleries are, are different. They're different than they used to be. They're even different than they used to be like 10, 15 years ago. Let's just go It's 20 changed years, even 20 in the last ago. couple Well, the years, consumer is changing as well, whether it's like, you know, the person purchasing or the person even viewing, like the audience is, isn't. Right, audience is changing. Yeah. When I was in San Francisco in the fall, I, I went to this gallery, Wendy Norris Gallery, who is like um, well, yeah, close downtown, name. right? And uh, Furele Bias, she had an exhibition at Pam. She was represented. She's represented. Uh -huh. And I just found out talking to the one of the gallery assistants that she's giving up her space. She had this beautiful space really close to the S of MoMA. She's giving up her space. She's moving uh, somewhere, somewhere in San Francisco to keep uh, keep an office, but she's not going to have a gallery space anymore. Wow. Her, her artists, the artists she's representing, are showing in all over the world. They're showing in museum shows. They're showing. So there's no need for them. And to then have she a goes to the fairs, and then there's no need for for an actual, you know, right. physical space anymore, because that's not where you do the sales anymore. You do the sales space. on the fairs, or you know, right. you make the online. money on the fairs or online, or. And so I, f I feel like even in the last couple of years, since the art fairs have been like so skyrocketing, and there's now art fairs like all over the world, right? There are art fairs. Isn't there one this weekend? Uh, Art Boca Raton I, or something? Oh, Boca yes. Raton, probably. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's it's really like, also for, for galleries, it must be so, so such a challenge to keep up with the yeah. ever-shifting art world also. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So hard call. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I'm also curious, you mentioned drawing. So the drawing, did you pick that up on your own when you were like growing up and collecting rocks, or did you... In college, get drawn to the subject. Well, you know, it's part of your core curriculum. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I love drawing. I love work on paper. You know, I'm not really. I mean, I paint, but I paint on paper, which is basically watercolor. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, real painters don't call watercolors painters. You know. <laughs> I disagree. I think watercolor painting is still a painting. It's well, funny how there are always these hierarchies, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Even within a medium. Oh, watercolor. Yeah. Uh, photography. But, you know, oh. Yeah, but I, you know, I had a high school friend, and we're still friends. That's lovely. Who, I mean, even in high school, you know, he could, he was such a superior draftsman. I mean, he could do these photorealistic drawings in high school. You know, he learned that on his own. He wasn't mm -hmm. taught that. And um, so, you know, we used to hang out, you know, with some other people too. You know, not, they weren't all artists. They were just, you know, high school friends. And, but I used to hang out and while he's doing his drawing and stuff and try to understand how he did this and try to pick it up. I mean, it took me a long time to do that, that photorealistic kind of drawing, you know. Mm -hmm. And but then when I fit, did it, I said, "Well, okay, so now what?" Yeah. That so moment. I mean, I said I'm not really interested in doing photorealistic drawing myself, but you know, I mean, it was something that I had had to learn. But I didn't learn it in a classroom. I learned it from a friend. Mm -hmm. Not really from him, but 
you know, he by had, watching him, he uh, had given me some drawings. You know, we, you know, I saw him draw and you know, pick things up. So you know, we were we were good friends, and you know, there were certain relationships about our art practice that were very similar. Not so much now, but back in those days, I mean, I could read a, a, a review in a newspaper of a show that he's in, and it sounds like my work. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, it's not. It was not drawing or painting, but I mean, it could have been about my work, you know. Incredible. Have you ever done an exhibit with your friend? Organization? Actually, the first, the very first exhibition I had <clears throat> was at the Watts Towers Art Center. Um, I had volunteered one summer, and uh, then I got a phone call from. Uh, my father was working at Lockheed Aircraft, mm-hmm. and so I put in an application to work for the summer because I was trying to save money to go to college. Makes sense. And um, so I asked my friend if he would take over my class, my volunteer class, and then we did a, a two-person show there together, mm-hmm. which was my very first show. Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay, I'm Maria's pointing. Then I have my last question. I'm okay. So I wanted to ask, you mentioned the uh, the research and the residency that you had in Suriname and the information and the body of work and all the, like, basically the the, the data you've collected and how you're, you're seeing that going into an exhibit. Um, you've done drawing, you've done kind of sort of like mixed media, you've done photography. Do you think um, going forward, what do you envision this next body of work potentially? Just giving us a little sneak peek. Potentially. Well, I've been like. trying to work on a book. Oh, okay, great. Um, with some like uh, cut out kind of pages. Okay. And um, I'd like to incorporate some film, but you know, all those things take time. And I was thinking of film in my mind, yeah. And um, so I have some. Uh, a few clips from Suriname, but I'm going to incorporate mostly stuff that I've done here locally because you know people you know people don't know. No, not only that, I feel it's, it's still valid even though it's here. You, you're yeah. taking the information you did because they're, they're underwater. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're going to be underwater. Beautiful. And uh, so I have to kind of write the narrative, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know expand it a little bit more. Um, and. But I've been working on a lot of, uh, you know, collage pieces, you know, and that still will carry that forward. You know, maybe incorporate a little bit more figuration in the work. Figuration versus botanicals in the nature, or will that Right, well, a lot of it is, even looking at the botanicals, it's still kind of abstract shapes and things, so, you know, make it more figurative, you know. That's lovely. Okay, well, thank you. Okay, Maria has a question because she's... Uh, yeah, just before my very final okay, question, great. is there any uh, any uh, exhibitions or projects that are coming up that you want to share right now or you have any important dates that uh, even trips, you yeah. know, or trips? <laughs> well, there's supposed to be a, an exhibition that's going to come to the new MOCA. Oh, that's exciting. And it's a traveling exhibition, but there will be some local artists involved, and I'm supposed to be one of the local artists involved. Oh, wonderful. It's an exhibition called Monarchs. It's about uh, migration. Nice. And um, then there's supposed to be another show in New York in the Cindy Rucker Gallery. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on in the summer, 
and um, Under the Bridge mm -hmm. in North Miami. There's another show, and it's a you know group show, and I'll be part of that too. Oh, wonderful! So we are gonna link uh, your, your website, your website also with on the our, yeah. with the podcast, okay. so uh, our listeners can check up on you when when the shows are gonna happen. Okay. And then our very last question is: um, You've been sitting in a magical rocking chair all this time. Magical? It's magical. <laughs> you didn't know that, but it's true. And uh, it grants you three wishes. Yeah. You can wish for anything you want, but you have to say it out loud because otherwise it's not going to come true. What would your three wishes be? Or what are your three wishes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I normally don't engage in... In wishing. In, in wishful thinking. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit on the practical side, but... Oh... <sighs> If I can make a wish, a desire, then uh, how about um, just you know a little bit more financial security? Mm -hmm. you know? Number one, really good. Number one, number two. Financial security. Number, number two. Three, <laughs> three wishes. Okay. I that's... mean, you know, I have a, I have a, 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 you know, decent life at this point. You know, I mean, yeah. I can't complain. I mean, I'm in good health, and I mean, still teaching. Yeah. No, I'm not teaching. Not as much, right now. not even no. privately. No, not really. No, not really. But you know, I mean, I have, you know, I cook my own food. I've been cooking. My, I've been cooking since eight years old. Wow. So you know, I mean, I, you know, I think I eat well. I don't. We eat a lot of junk. And um, you know, I'm mobile. You know, I, I exercise. Health. Yeah. You know, I have friends and family and you know I, I have people that I love and people that love me so you know mm -hmm. I mean what what more could you want at this point mm -hmm. you know other than some financial security <laughs> <laughs> we all need that we yeah I know that. I know oh. well thank right. you for taking the time out of your thank you so much Anajita I finally pronounced your name right <laughs> <laughs> And I have to say, um, the, the, I have to tell the little story of how I met you because you actually had a 16 millimeter projector that mm. I got from you, oh, and nice. I'm still it's still here in the studio. It's still working really well, and oh, I'm great. still very thankful. Um, um, yeah, it's really nice uh, to connect with artists also through that. You know, you're you're sharing, you're helping each other out. Yeah. In your community yeah. building. Community. All right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank Thank you. And thanks listen, uh, for listening uh, to our See little podcast week. again. Yeah. And we're going to be back very, very soon with uh, Laura Marsh yes. on Monday. All Bye, right. y'all. Bye, guys.